Before you listen to this podcast, you can subscribe to The Critic magazine with the current offer of three issues for just £5. Head to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk, to subscribe today. Hello and welcome to The Critic podcast. This week, David Scullion spoke to Harry Miller, an ex-police officer who last year was visited at work by police officers who wanted to check his thinking on trans issues after they read some of his tweets. David and Harry discuss how British police officers have become a walking billboard for trans lobbyists. I'm delighted to be joined today by Harry Miller, who's the founder of Fair Cop. Harry's a former police officer who last year was visited by Humberside Police, who who came to his work looking for him after somebody complained about some of his tweets. Fair Cop have a report out about um, the role of Stonewall uh, in the police force. Harry, you must have written something really offensive on Twitter to have uh, a knock at a door from the police. Uh, actually, th- over 30 offensive things on Twitter. Um... I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the calibre of people that your listeners are, but um, I, I wouldn't like to shock them by by repeating um, any of them. Um, but should I? Do you think maybe just the odd one? Yeah, just the odd one, if if, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Well, I I, I said um, I said I was I was um, born. I, I I was assigned a mammal at birth, but I identify as fish. Don't misspecies me. I said that. I did say that. And then I used, I finished it off with a rude word. I said, don't, this species me, blank, blank, blank. Um, so that was, that was classed as a, as a hate, a hate crime slash non-crime um, that needed recording and needed um, police officers, including a, a police constable, a police sergeant, a police inspector, right the way up to a, an assistant chief constable to get involved in order to protect that heinous piece of satire escalating into um, criminality. They described their intervention as necessary um, because of what happened to Stephen Lawrence. They needed to stop me tweeting about uh, fish and mammals. That was was one tweet. There was another tweet where I just mentioned the name Dane Jenny Murray. Um, And merely mentioning the name Dane Jenny Murray um was a cause of great transphobia that needed needed stopping i didn't say what dame i didn't say what dame jenny murray had said i simply said that um that the the oxford union crowd who'd hounded jenny murray from the oxford union were baying and spitting at students who've come to the oxford union steve to see steve bannon speak but merely invoking the name jenny murray um, was classed as transphobic. Uh, so transphobic, in fact, that the police needed to intervene um, because it was a sign that I was about to escalate into stabbing somebody. That's what they said. So um, if they hadn't done that, we'd be conducting uh, this interview from prison, no doubt. So, but, so you mentioned Stephen Lawrence. I mean, the idea of a, a, the idea of a non-crime hate incident, wasn't it set up in order to try and prevent people from going on to commit crimes to, to make, commit real crimes i mean does it not have a, a laudable aim yeah absolutely it has a laudable aim it, it does have a laudable aim but we don't judge actions solely by their aim do we they have to be they have to be proportionate and um with the stephen lawrence inquiry 
what we had there was in action from the police. So the police were aware that the area in which Stephen Lawrence um, lived was racist, that there were, there were racists operating in the area. And there were some very serious racists, white supremacists, who were fantasizing and talking about hanging or stabbing a black man. Now, because they, they were having these conversations in the privacy of their own homes, it didn't reach the threshold of being a crime. But the police felt that it was sufficiently interesting for it to be logged as a non-crime hate incident. In, all, in other words, it was, in, it was intelligence that was gathered and kept in order to feed into a picture of a number of individuals who it was likely would, would go on and commit serious crime. So that's why, that's what the Stephen Lawrence inquiry um, was set up to, to, to look at. And that's what he found out. And McPherson recommended there would be this new, uh, this new category called non-crime hate incidents where the police would just gather intelligence in order to prevent crime. But as the judge pointed out, there was not a kind hell's chance that I was about to commit any crime. Um, when the judge at the High Court asked the uh, homicide police what crime he had in mind when, um, when the police intervened, um, they, they didn't have a clue. They didn't know. They just didn't know. They were just making things up as they went along which is why they were utterly condemned because it's one thing to be to have serious racists white supremacists who spend their evenings fantasizing about stabbing black people that's a world away from me tweeting trans women are not women and thankfully the high court recognized that so what's the procedure at the moment then for uh, you know if 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 anybody wanted to uh, complain to the police is it possible for anyone to complain and, and have somebody else uh, marked down as committing a, a non-crime hate incident? Yeah, that's the problem. The, 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 the HCOG, that's the Hate Crime um, Operational Guidance, um, says that perception is everything. So if somebody perceives any action to be motivated by hate, it has to be recorded as hate. It has to be. Um, there, there's, no, there's no rationality allowed. In fact, the, the HCOG says quite specifically that any attempt to apply rationality to a claim is itself a hate incident. That's how, that's how crazy it is. So if, if, I, if, if somebody listening to this podcast now decides that simply by virtue of the fact that you have interviewed me, if they decide that, this, that you and I are engaged in hate speech and reporters, then it will have to be recorded as, as a hate incident. It has to be. And that can then appear on uh, an enhanced DBS if you were to apply for a job, and it will certainly um, show up on an enhanced DPS if I applied for a job. Now, that's got to be absolutely crazy. In fact, it's so crazy that following the judgment of the High Court, the complainant in my case, who was um, given the code name Mrs. B because they were granted anonymity, they wrote a blog in which they accused the judge of transphobia. So, by all accounts, the judge should now also have a hate crime against his name. That's how crazy it is. So what you're saying is, in effect, anybody can add uh, a non-crime hate incident to anybody's criminal record in the United Kingdom 
merely by complaining and it doesn't matter it, all it matters is that you say that you were perce- you perceived it as such let, 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 let me read this is this is directly from the hate crime um, uh, operational guidance 6.3 recording non-crime hate incidents where any person including police personnel reports a hate incident which would not be the primary responsibility of another agency it must be recorded regardless of whether or not they are the victim so that allows third parties and get this irrespective of whether there is any evidence to identify the hate that 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 that, that should chill you that should chill you that the police can are, are mandated to record as a hate incident any incident that anybody decides is hate irrespective of whether there is any evidence of hate so when you took this, That's when you took this uh, to the High Court, uh, what did the judge say about the College of Policing guidelines? Well, this is what we don't understand because it was almost as though he had the, the College of Policing barrister tips upside down and was giving him the beating of his life because you could tell that the judge could not make sense of it. I remember the judge saying to the man, what does it mean no evidence is required? And the, the, the barrister said, well, what it means is you don't need an official, you don't need video footage or a confession or any. He said, well, that's not what it says. It says here, no evidence required. No evidence. What does that even mean? And the, um, they, they couldn't answer. They simply couldn't answer. So why the judge has bottled it, um, I just don't know. You know, I, I think the problem is... Um, the, the, the hate crime operational guidance has a very noble purpose uh, in that it seeks to reduce proper hate crime, um, racial hate crime, uh, etc., um, gay hate crime. Um, now, because the trans thing has insinuated itself into one of the five monitored strands of the HCOG, by throwing that out, I, I do fear that the judge was worried that it would throw out all the good stuff as well. And I just don't think he had the um, the bottle to do that. So this idea of a non-crime hate incident, this has um, been around for a while. But uh, the your report on um, Stonewall's influence uh, in the police, this is a far more recent thing. I mean, how did this happen? I think a lot of people will be uh, probably are quite surprised at how much the police have become... Uh, as you describe it in your report, a walking billboard for Stonewall um, without much public debate. How has this happened and, and how long has it been going on? Well, I think it's been going on since about 2015, 2016, when Stonewall um, had a policy change uh, to include to, to include trans and go big on trans. Now, the reason that Stonewall did that, I would imagine, is because, by and large, the the fight for equality in terms of lesbian, gays and bisexuals was won wasn't it? It really was one. So what do you do with a massive organisation that's got 100 or so staff on big salaries when you've set yourself up to fight a fight and the, and the fight's now over? Um, well, R- Ruth Hunt, the, um, the incoming CEO at the time, was a, a strategic genius. Uh, she extended LGB to include T, Q, I, plus, 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 plus. Um, because then the war never ends, does it? Because you've got all these different gender identities to fight to, to fight for. Now, I think what what, the, what Stonewall realised was that there are two ways of changing the law. The first way is to do what most of us do, which is to have a campaign, um, lobby Parliament, lobby MPs, lobby the public, and have the law changed 
uh, through Parliament. That's the normal way. But the problem with that is it doesn't come with any guarantees of success. The law is very slow, it's very cumbersome, um, it's time consuming, it's costly. So what Stonewall have done, they've changed the law without changing the law. So they've infiltrated the instruments of law. And by the instruments of law, I mean the police. And they have created what I would call a de facto law simply by changing the, the meaning of words within existing law and having that written into policy. So we have in the HCOG, for instance, rather than, at law in the Equality Act, there are nine monitored strands. One of those strands is having a gender recognition certificate or intending to have a gender recognition certificate, which shorthand becomes trans, I suppose. Now, in the monitored strands, that has changed, that's disappeared. What we have now is one of the monitored strands is gender identity. Now, gender, gender identity is not a legal concept. It doesn't exist. There is no such thing as gender identity legally. But that suits Stonewall because Stonewall say, um, in, in a, a thing called gender identity in the law, they say the descriptive term used within the Equality Act is gender reassignment. But this is a very, def a very narrow definition of what it means to be trans. Going above and beyond the law, the most inclusive services consider gender identity to be a protected characteristic. Well, that's just nonsense. Stonewall recognise what the law is and say, we don't like that. So what we're going to do, we're going to bring in a different definition. We can't change the law, so we'll change the meaning of the words within the law. That's what they're doing. And so the requirement to have a GARC is replaced with this nebulous thing called gender identity, which is fine, except it's not fine when the police then start adopting that, that law and that definition as well and start enforcing it as though it was the law. And that's what's happened. But the, uh, the law does recognise transgender hate crimes, doesn't it? I mean, the Home Office is... is no. The home, I mean, Home, home, no. home Office no. figures show that transgender hate crimes recorded by police are rising. I mean, what's that then, if, if that's not a, a recognised thing? No, there, 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 is, there is... That recognises... Um, trans, the, the, the category of transgender is recognised by the police it is but that doesn't make it a legal it doesn't make it a legal category it makes it a category a policing category so the number of um, crimes against trans people has gone up but it's still the lowest of the monitored strands it's still the lowest there's a disproportionate attempt to, to, to tackle a very small problem but of course that's not good enough because the police the police tell the police lie and there is no other word for it. They lie about the figures. For instance, on Trans Day of Visibility this year, the College of Policing, and these are the people who, who tell police to collect statistics, they tweeted that one in 12 trans people are murdered. That's what they tweeted. Do you know what the figure really is? Last year, there were 360, I think 367 trans people murdered worldwide of which there was zero in the United Kingdom, um, and there were 28 in the United States. Now, when we challenged this one in 12, um, the College of Policing said, oh, our mistake, that figure refers to the USA, not written. But it's still wrong, it's still wrong. The real figure in the United States is one in 52,000, not one in 12. 
one in 52,000. That they're out by a factor of 420,000 percent. And this is the College of Policing. So I don't believe their figures at all. I mean, how can how can how can you how can you be so be so so wrong? And then when we point out their error, they tweeted that we were uneducated haters and bigots mm. for pointing out the truth. Now, how do we how do you explain that? So just on this point, so the, the idea, so the Home Office record transgender hate crimes. That's the police are recording transgender hate crimes. But what you're saying is being trans is not a protected characteristic in law no being trans is not having a grc or intending to have a grc is a protected characteristic but they've expanded the bandwidth of what it means to be trans to include anybody anybody at all who says that they're trans anybody so did you know that um, the thames valley police promote a an organization called my umbrella and my umbrella lists 371 trans identities, including, including, get this, Tetris gender. Tetris gender. Do you know what Tetris gender is? I don't, I don't. What is it? Okay, so Tetris gender is a gender that, uh, that accumulates over time, and then when it's complete, it disintegrates and restarts. It's like, like, literally like the game of Tetris. Like the game of Tetris, yes, yes, yes. So Tetris gender is, according to Thames Valley Police, a gender that if I question it, if I question it, I am guilty of transphobia. And I am able, I, they are able to, to um, put me down on the figures as being transphobic. So of course, transphobia figures are going up. Because anybody that doesn't believe in Tetris gender is automatically guilty of a hate incident. That's crazy. That's absolutely nuts. Have you any idea what have you any idea what what new twat is? I don't. What is it? Or, or have you any? No, neither. Have you, have you any idea what a tea man is? Or or or, or smoke gender? I, I don't. Are we are we now? By me not knowing, is am I committing a hate incident? Yeah, because what you're doing the, the definition the the police definition of um, let, let, let me read it for you because it. It's got to be seen to be believed. All right, hold on, let me just find it. The, the police definition of transphobia. Get this. The fear or dislike of someone based on the fact that they are trans, including denying their gender identity or refusing to accept it. So if you say that you are, how about this one, Schrodinger gender? Well, a bit like Schrodinger's cat, it depends who's looking. So your gender changes depending on who's looking at you. Okay, now if I say, if I say, I don't believe that Schrodinger gender is a thing, I'm guilty of transphobia. And according to the College of Policing, uh, it has to be recorded as a hate incident. So what you're saying here is that, 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 that uh, Stonewall have successfully got the police to change how, uh, to, to change the definition of trans to include anything. Yes. And they have... And which is not actually reflected in the real law. So trans is a protected characteristic in law only if you have a gender uh, yep. a gender recognition certificate, or or, or if you um, are intending to get one. Yes. Okay, but they've included everything. So is this not the police acting uh, outside of the law? Yes, totally. I mean, he, here's one. Here, this this is this is from the uh, the, the, the police um, trans the, the trans police manual. Okay, written by the police. 
speculating about someone's gender, asking, is that a man or a woman, is transphobia. That's what it says. How about this? Being misgendered can have a huge impact on somebody and their personal well-being. It can also be a form of abuse. That is from DCC Julie Cook, Deputy Chief Constable of Cheshire Police. Misgendering somebody, as far as she's concerned, is abuse. This is what we're dealing with. None of this, none of this has a basis in law. All of it has a basis in the trans uh, political policy. So what, what are we waiting for then? You've been to the High Court uh, and you have won your case that the Humberside Police should not have visited you at work and the judge said that uh, they were acting close to being like the Stasi. And the Gestapo, you, you, also, uh, you also launched a wider challenge against the lawfulness of the College of Policing Guidelines, yeah. but that was rejected. Uh, so what are we waiting for now? You've, 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 also, you've, you've, tried to, uh, you've tried to take this to the Court of Appeal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 we've, got, uh, we've got a date. Well, we haven't got a date. We have got permission to go to the Court of Appeal. I'll be honest, we wanted to go directly to the Supreme Court and we had a licence to apply directly to the Supreme Court, but because I don't know, because of COVID or because they didn't fancy it, I don't know, they've they've knocked us back one stage to the Court of Appeal, which, if I'm honest, is a bit of a disappointment. But um, I like to see these things as glass half full rather than half empty. So we'll be having our day in court against the College of Policing because, first and foremost, you know, we, we want to win this argument about the whole trans nonsense. But first of all, we've got to be allowed to have the argument without fear of interference from the police. And at the moment, you and I simply talking about this is potentially um, recordable as a hate incident. In fact, it would be recorded as a hate incident if somebody listens and decides to report us, either of us. So we've got to, we've got to get rid of that nonsense for starters, because once we've got rid of that, we can then move on and say, okay, let's begin to talk about what does the law actually say? What does transphobia mean? What is the role of the police and what is the role of Stonewall? Your challenge at the Court of Appeal is against the, um, the College of Policing. Um, many people listening won't have heard of the College of Policing and it seems like that's the, the source of all of this, this kind of extrajudicial source of authority that the police are getting things from. What, what is the College of Policing? Right, OK, so the College of Policing... Yeah, the, the, the College of Policing is a... Oh, a quasi-government um, body. In actual fact, it's a private, at the moment, it's a private limited company uh, staffed by um, academics and um, former police officers and serving police officers. And their job is nominally to mediate between government um, and the, the various police forces in, in England and Wales. And as part of that remit, they set certain guidelines. Now, these guidelines are not law. One of the things you mentioned at the start of your report uh, is that uh, Faircop uh, offered somebody um, a reward if they could find an example of any police force marking uh, National Autism Day uh, and then contrasted that with the, um, um, with the level to which the police uh, were supporting uh, the annual Pride event. What's going on here? Well, this is the thing, isn't it? The police, the, the police oath, police oath um, says, in effect, that the police have to serve without fear or favour. And what we have here is a situation where one group is favoured over all other possible groups. So on Transgender, Transgender Day of Visibility, we get police forces literally flying the flag. 
um, tweeting the colours, uh, tweeting all about it, tweeting memes, tweeting lies, the one in 12 people are trans, murdered, uh, trans people are murdered lie. Um, the following day, I think it was the National Autism Day, virtually nothing. Not a single flag was raised, not one. There were one or two forces who recognised it in, in, in their accounts, but there was nothing like the blanket coverage that occurred um, during Trans Visibility Day or during Pride Month or any of these other, because the calendar's absolutely jam-packed full of trans LGBTQI stuff and the police don't miss a beat when it comes to raising a flag, going on a parade, sticking in their coloured laces into their rainbow boots, painting their riot shields in one instance in Leicestershire in the, in the trans flag. Um, this simply doesn't happen with any other group at all. None. Not, none at all. It's only the trans, um, the LGBTQI lot, uh, who get this sort of favour. And it's because Stonewall have done, they've done a, a job on them. I mean, they have, they've turned them into political billboards and they're charging them two and a half thousand pounds a year for that privilege. And then selling them, I, I guess, you know, rainbow laces, epaulettes. So you type, literally, if you type in disabled police epaulettes, you'll find nothing. If you type in black race disabled police epaulettes, you'll find nothing. If you type in rainbow epaulettes, there's Google page after Google page of it. Well, it doesn't take a genius to work out that the police are operating with a certain degree of favour. The police have their favourites. And the LGBTQI lobby, as represented by Stonewall, are their clear favourites. And of course, they have, a, they have a motivation for this because Stonewall ranked them. They give them a world ranking in terms of their equality policies. And they don't want to slip down. They don't want to slip down the ranking. So they, um, they will whistle to whatever tune Stonewall happens to be playing. And when Stonewall say, we want you to sign up for a champion scheme, pay two and a half thousand pounds for the privilege. And by the way, now you're a champion, you are now de facto campaigning for a change in the law because that's what the champions do. They campaign for um, removal of the 2004 uh, Gender Recognition Act, which they class as cruel and outdated in favour of a classification of self-identification. That's what the police have signed up for. So what we've got is the, uh, the police have been turned into an organisation that's campaigning to change the law that they themselves have uh, made an oath to uphold. What's the, uh, what's the wider effect on uh, public life of, of this, the police being captured in this way? Well, I, th I think it's self-evidently wrong that the police should be operating on behalf of any political pressure group. You know, it seems, it seems, if you ask the, the, the common person, the person on the, the person on the Clapham omnibus, whether the police ought to be engaging and taking sides in any form of political debate, I think the answer would be no, definitely not. They definitely shouldn't be doing that. And in fact, that is written into the Code of Ethics. The Code of Ethics states quite clearly that a police officer shall not involve in any activity which has the capability of giving the impression that it will cause them to, um, uh, to favour one group over another. It's written there. Police officers must not take part in any act, uh, police officers must not take any active part in politics. This is intended to prevent you from placing yourself in a position where your impartiality may be questioned. That's, that's what the code of ethics states. So we have a simple test um, for this. 
we say, we ask the question, what would Her Majesty, what does Her Majesty think about a particular issue? So if I say, what does Her Majesty think about Brexit? Well, we've no idea. If we ask, what does Her Majesty think about, um, about the Gender Recognition Act? We've no idea, and that's the way it should be. But the police, on the other hand, make it known what they think, not about Brexit, but they certainly make it known what they think about the GRA. Would the Queen ever fly the, the rainbow flag above Buckingham Palace um, when there's a national debate about LGBTQI rights? No, of course you wouldn't. So why the police? When a police officer becomes a police officer, that police officer gives up the right to express his or her political belief. That is it. We don't want to know. We don't need to know. You need to keep your mouth shut. We don't want to know. And just finally, what would you say? I mean, you know, there, there are people who uh, who would say to you, they'd say, look, Harry Miller, he's just trying to stir up trouble. And, you know, transgender people, they are uh, the, they're very vulnerable. And wouldn't it just be kinder if people who had opinions on this just kept them to themselves and, and, and kept quiet for the sake of, of trans people's feelings? The whole idea of keeping quiet because of people's feelings is absolute nonsense, isn't it? What other, what, what other group, what other, what other political campaign asks the other side to keep quiet, to be kind? This whole, this whole thing is predicated on whether or not it is political. And the campaign to change the GRA is political. Absolutely. I'm looking at a thing called the Stonewall UK General Election Manifesto 2019, which calls for a number of things, including gender identity to be included in the 2021, consen- uh, 2021 census, uh, government commitment to the Human Rights Act and ECHR post-Brexit, review of gender markets in official documents, school funding for LGBTQ um, inclusivity, and it goes on and on and on and on and on. That is a political agenda. It clearly is. And the police should have nothing to do with it. So. If you want to campaign for trans rights, I'm all for it. I'm all for your right to campaign as hard as you like, to march up and down the street, waving your flag, to deliver leaflets to my door, to hold meetings in a public square. And I just want the right to say, well, I've got a different point of view. And uh, gender critical people and women and lesbians and gays have a different point of view. And we want to be able to, um, to have our say in the public square and not have the police take a side. That seems to me to be the very fundamental of a civil, free, democratic society. Well, Harry Miller, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you for coming on the Critic Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Anytime. If you've enjoyed listening to the Critic Podcast, why not subscribe to have the magazine delivered to your door? Subscribe today with the offer of three issues for just £5 by heading to our website, www.thecritic.co.uk. Редактор